Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. Calling all true crime fans. Are you looking for the ultimate platform to dive deep into the world of true crime stories? Look no further. We are thrilled to invite you to our YouTube channel, where you can catch up on captivating discussions and exciting stories. But that's not all. So don't be a Johnson. Follow us on Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts where you can listen to our engaging and thrilling shows. And here's a little sympathy. Liking and subscribing to our channel, as well as leaving us a review and a five-star rating, not only brings you endless bone-chilling entertainment, but also helps us out tremendously. So, so, grab your significant other, grab some snacks, and come join us here at the Grinding True Crime Podcast. Here are your hosts. Maddie Matt. Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. Enjoy the show. Hey, hey, hey. Guess who's back? We're back for another episode. I hope you guys missed us because we missed y'all. But here we're live. Um, uh, this is Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we're grinding true crimes. And today I will be doing a story. But before we get into that, I want to let you guys know where we can find us. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime. And there you can follow our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible with our busy schedule. Or if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. Or if you're outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. If you are not a Patreon member already, please help us by being one. All you have to do is download the Podbean app, and you you can be a Patreon member yourself. Uh, we all the uh, donations and proceeds go to um, our costs for uh, helping us out with our studio equipment or whatever it may be. So, and uh, we appreciate anything you guys give us. And without that being said, Todd got a special announcement, and I'm gonna turn it over to Todd to make that. Uh, just a special shout out to listener Rob, uh, who came through with a nice donation, heard about the mixer issue, and uh, he donated to the Patreon and uh, got got us uh, the mixer that we needed to get everything going. Because, uh, again, we were ready to roll with all these episodes and couldn't get anything working because the mixer is like the seamless. Um, it, it, it ties everything together. So uh, without that we just weren't able to record at least the kind of quality we wanted to give you guys. So that's number one. And number two, if you want to go over to Etsy.com and type in grinding crime, grinding crime, uh, you could find us on there and uh, we have glasses, wine glasses, and we also have some shirts and we're going to be adding some more stuff on there and uh, just nice little gifts. If you want to uh, be part and help out the, uh, the page more. All right. Well, thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. And we appreciate you guys' patience. I know you guys have been waiting for a new episode, so here you are. So without further ado, let's just get started. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about a story of Harrison Graham, a.k.a. Marty, a.k.a. the Cookie Monster Killer. Ooh. Cookie Monster, huh? Yes. So we're going to go to the east coast of the United States, all the way to Pennsylvania. Oh, I thought you were going to go to Sesame Street, but okay. <laughs> hey, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, real quick, Harrison, a.k.a. Um, well, Harrison was born in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on September 5th, 1959. And he was the eldest of five children to his parents. Now, at an early age, he was both the lover to an employee of a male pimp and as well as um, helping him out with, uh, with some of his errands. So it doesn't say exactly what age, but he was definitely younger than a teenager. 
Wait, so he's he's a teenager or younger than a teenager, and he's a lover to a pimp? Yeah, he's an employee and a lover to a male pimp. Whoa. Yeah. So troubles at home led him to the streets. Um, kind of troubles. Well, just, you know, parental troubles, you know, getting into trouble at school and stuff like that. So that led him to the streets. And uh, that's when Harrison actually felt deeply loved. He, that was the first time he felt deeply loved by someone, which was that male pimp. Because okay. he said that he wasn't getting it at home. So What's, this male pimp took advantage of a young age little boy. How old was he? It didn't say, but he was definitely younger. Uh, he was definitely not a teenager. Because oh. his teenage years is when he started doing certain things. But he was definitely not a teenager. But it doesn't say the specific age. Wow. <clears throat> was there any, like, like noting or did they say anything about... You know, maybe him being molested by his family while he left his family, or because well, if he started that early, something happened, right? Well, it did mention that he was introduced to homosexual acts and relationships and prostitution as well as drugs due Whoa. to being his pimp. So definitely, there was some uh, with the pimp. Yeah. Well, he meant with his family. It didn't mention, but definitely with his pimp. I would think that there there has to be some kind of family tie there before that, though. But that's that's crazy. It could have been because, like I said, he was having some family troubles. So definitely, probably, maybe an uncle, maybe a father. I don't know. But he was having troubles at his home, which led him to go and uh, be uh, with this male pimp. Damn, that's bad. Yeah. On top of all those things that he went through... He showed signs of an intellectual disability, which in turn made it difficult for him to be in school and to follow rules. As a result, he ended up quitting school in just the 10th grade. So um, it was said uh, by his mother that in 1971, Harrison was diagnosed with a mental illness and was sent away to a mental hospital for children for three years. Dang, three years. Yeah. I'm sorry, two years. I'm sorry. So, yeah, he was sent away for two years uh, to a mental hospital due to his mental uh, disability. So he was severely uh, mentally ill. Jeez. Yeah. That's a long time to be locked up. Huh? It's a long time to be locked up, you know? Absolutely. Especially at the young age of, uh, what, you're you're in the 10th grade? So what is that, 15? 15 or 16, yeah. Yeah. That's why I say that he was definitely um, getting involved prior to. So, okay, so um, now as a teenager, um, in his teenage years, he started working in construction field in the early 70s, and he was actually really good at it and becoming well-known because of his skills and his trades. Later in 1979, he decided to leave his parents' house and move to an apartment unit in northern Philadelphia that was ran down and filled with drugs, prostitution, alcohol, crime, you name it, it was there. And Harrison obviously took part in all those behavior things because that was he was used to. Mm. Yeah. So now, despite all that, he was well known in the neighborhood. Uh, he was actually described as being a very tall, athletic and strong person. And despite his stature, he was actually non-aggressive towards uh, towards others. He didn't show any uh, signs of violence. The neighbors described him as a friendly person. He played basketball with the kids. And he even entertained uh, the young ones and as well as the uh, teenagers around the neighborhood with his famous Cookie Monster puppet. Is that why he's the Cookie Monster guy? That's, that's, that's part of the reason why they call him the Cookie Monster uh, killer. <laughs> yeah, so this puppet that he had, he it, he went everywhere with it. So In fact, some people... Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, like, so so he used the Cookie Monster. Did he use the voice? Is it the actual Cookie Monster or his made-up version of Cookie Monster? It was actually the doll, and he was probably cookie, cookie, cookie. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely would entertain the crowd. If I'm entertaining somebody with a doll of a character, I'm gonna get into character. I'm gonna be talking like him, eating cookies like him, pause, and doing all kind of things. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, so, (laughs) 
Now, some people went on to say that at times they would even see him talking to this puppet by himself. What? Yeah. So he was like his friend. That was his his everything, you know, especially with his mental the uh, mental uh, disability. He confined to his uh, puppet, his Cookie Monster puppet. So he went everywhere with it. He laid in bed with it. He talked to it. He entertained with it. Who knows what else he did with it? So, if if he has those mental issues, like, I think we had this conversation before where, like, Gabby had mentioned they see stuff in reality, which we see as just inanimate objects or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe if we see, like, a stuffed animal sitting on his hand or, or in his lap, to him, he sees, like, Ted, like, he's like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> he, sees, <laughs> he sees it moving, animated, and everything. You know, it's very possible. Who, uh, you know, who knows? He probably thought it was talking back to him. You know, it could have been his best friend. If he's like, okay, he has mental issues, and he's talking to a puppet on his own. I'm wondering why he was even released from the mental institutions. That's a good point. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> No, I'm just saying that's a good point. She caught me in mid sentence, like or in the uh, in, in between trying to laugh and you know say something because I mean, God, I, mean, yeah, man. I swear, you know, man, that's a good point. Um, but, but no, seriously, that's a good point. It, it, it's like why would you let like it's like oh you got a puppet on your hand and you're talking to him and feeding him and entertaining random people? Yeah, you're good to go. Sane. Hey man, yeah. it, it, it was the eighties, man. He was, he was or the late seventies. He was trying to, I don't know. He was trying to just fit in with the crowd. Maybe they were all crazy too at the time. Uh, Who knows? But um, so during the mid and late eighties, Harrison would eventually turn his apartment into a drug den, where friends and just about anyone who would buy or just visit. His uh, area would use drugs, which was mainly Ritalin, crack cocaine, and all other substances that you can think of. What's the first one you mentioned? Ritalin. I had never heard of that. What is that? Isn't that like a over-the-counter uh, medicine, right? Ritalin? No. Yeah. You sure? I believe so. I'm not too sure, but um, whatever it may be, it was heavy drugs. I'll check it right now. Yeah, just check it out. Because I didn't look that up, but I, I I believe you can get that over the counter. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me and don't criticize me. <laughs> oh no, but it's yeah. it's a form of methamphetamine. It's a stimulate that stimulate that treats attention deficit disorder. So it improves your focus and reducing impulsive behaviors. Is that what the cops use when they uh someone uh, it's high on some. Don't they shoot them with Ritalin? Because yeah. I've heard that word before. I've heard that uh, word well, Ritalin. Ritalin they give to kids with those issues, with OCD or or just they have a you know ADHD. They have a, mm-hmm. a hard time like focusing on things. They give them Ritalin. Okay, so it's to calm you pretty much. Yeah, Fo- get you focused. Well, they were focusing all right. Yeah, they were focusing on all kind of drugs. Focusing on them crack. Man, especially in the late in the seventies, because that's when the epidemic, crack epidemic, was out of this world. Now, during a hot summer in August of nineteen eighty-seven, so we're having a date right here. Uh-oh. Harrison got into a verbal dispute with his landlord's nephew over a horrible foul odor coming from his apartment. Eventually, the other neighbors complained about the smell as well. So the afternoon of August 9th, 1987, the landlord decided to evict Harrison and to vacate the premises as well. Well, Harrison wasn't about to just walk out scot-free. He didn't want anyone to go inside his apartment. So before he left, he decided to board up the front door and to block other entranceways as well, probably with, you know, cabinets or whatever it may be. Then he grabbed all his personal items, which he could, which included, what do you think? The Cookie Monster. Mm-hmm. He had to have his Cookie Monster puppet. Couldn't go anywhere without it. 
So he grabbed those things and he fled through the fire escape. Now, you guys are familiar with the fire escape if you've been in an apartment or a projects units. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Most of them old school apartments had fire escapes on the little ladders on the side of the walls outside. Yeah. Yep. So he fled through there. And I don't know how many floors he was on, but he, you know, climbed through there and he was gone. So, so he boarded up the whole apartment? No, just the front door. He boarded up the front door. Uh, I don't know if he put nails or anything, but he made sure nobody went into that room. And he just p- kind of put stuff to block the other entrance ways. Huh. So he didn't do a great job of keeping people out. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a drug addict. You ain't thinking like that. You just, I gotta go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the apartment unit appeared abandoned. Now this is the apartment unit. I'm gonna describe the apartment unit that they were uh, that they were staying in. The building. The building, yes. So it appeared abandoned when you walk, when you drive by. You would think like, okay, nobody lives there, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was heavy drug use usage. There was prostitution all around, and people just heavy on alcohol. The front entrance alone, the door and the windows to the building was broken providing free entry to anyone to walk in. So it was vulnerable to anyone to walk in. That's why it was the drug den that they used it for. Wow. So I don't think anybody, any of us would have wanted to stay there, except for if you were just used to that environment. Got it. Yeah. You wouldn't want your kids or anyone to stay uh-huh. in that one. That sounds like a lot of uh, bad neighborhoods in downtown. Oh, absolutely. Especially down Skid Row. Yep. So... You know, but there were some people that did, you know, obviously the drug addicts, uh, drug users alike. So you can imagine it being full of trash, debris, feces, rotten animals everywhere. You name it. (laughs) All of that was just in the entrance way and all around. You got to do it better than that. Oh, okay. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, remember they complained about a, a foul odor. So that could have been anything. Ew. Right? I mean, you're in this debris. Yeah, but if it's that kind of odor, like where everybody's smelling it, it's probably a dead body. Hey, I've I, I worked at a school where the trash it can funk up the whole area. So that's what I'm saying. It could have been anything you would think. But what officers would uh, be called? Officers were called on the scene. And when first responding officer Pete Scalantino arrived, he instantly smelled that foul odor. But as an experienced cop, he knew that wasn't no trash. It was death. That was the odor of death. So his instincts already kicked in, and now he's on high alert. So as he started walking towards Harrison's apartment, which was on the third floor, no doubt walking through all kind of filth and whatnot. When he got closer, the smell got a lot stronger as he was approaching the apartment, his apartment. Now, he entered the front room through a hallway door, which was actually open that uh, wasn't blocked in. So he was able to get into the hallway of his apartment. Now, um, I lost my thought. Uh, Once he opened it, inside he saw old food that had been sitting there for who knows how many days. It was rotting. It was rotting for several days, weeks, months. He found old magazines and newspaper covered in mold. Completely covered in mold. Dirty old soiled clothing and feces all around all knee high. Ew! What? He's walking knee high in the whole apartment. It's of filled with crap. Filled with all that. Ew. That's nasty. Dude. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I don't know anyone who would want to live in that condition, but that's what Harrison was living in. How can people survive? I mean, he was so high on drugs, he probably didn't even know. Ew. He probably However, swimming in uh, chocolate. You, he said swimming in chocolate? He saw it. It's Willy Wonka's River of Chocolate. <laughs> oh dear! It's it a lot that than I remembered it. With the Cookie Monster. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Why is oh, there corn in my chocolate? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you dork. By the way, for those who are listening, I, I have a little sinus problem, so if you hear me sniffling and stuff, so bear with me, I apologize. So right, the show must go on, right? <laughs> All right. Well, as he's walking through this knee-high infested filth, he noticed something very unusual on the wall. Now, question for you guys. What do you think he saw hmm. on the wall? A poo-poo message? <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I was gonna say something written with crap. Um <laughs> I guess y'all both kinda right. <laughs> it what was, he said. What he said, yeah. What, <laughs> what he said. I'm gonna um, forget what he said. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely something sketched out or drawn out on a wall. But one in particular caught his attention because it was a sketch of a naked woman and on that sketch it appeared to be dried blood smeared over it. Oh. Yeah. It could have been dry blood. It could have been what Todd said. It could have been poop. But to him, it appeared to be dry blood. So <sighs> he's already on radar. He's calling for backup. So he um, he's on a high alert. But the job must continue. So he's continuing to walk through the uh, hallway of his, the apartment. So now he's in the hallway. I'd be scared to walk in there by myself. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'm not going to lie. Now, um, as he's continuing to walk, the smell is getting stronger and stronger as he's getting closer to his front door. So coming through the hallway, of, so imagine a hallway of an apartment. He's passing the kitchen. And as he's passing the kitchen, when he gets close to the door, he noticed the name Marty sketched on it. But he can't get through because, obviously, Harrison boarded it up. However, the keyhole was not covered. So he was able to look through the keyhole. And there he saw two legs dangling over a mattress. Oh, there's a body. Yeah. So he gave his command. Hey, officer, so-and-so, announcing, get up. Whatever he had said, I don't know. No movement whatsoever. Legs is just sitting there. So um, he calls for backup. Backup arrived. And when they arrived, they were able to pry open the door. And immediately, in plain sight, on top of the mattress... They saw the body of an African-American woman already bloated and decomposing. Ew. When they got closer, they saw a second body, oh. another female lying dead on the floor next to it. Wait, I thought he was gay. Hey. He probably was, but he also had women around. Wow. Well, it didn't necessarily say he was gay. He just got involved in homosexual acts. Okay. So, you know, he probably, as he got older, started liking women. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, they see another dead body on the floor, deceased. And uh, they weren't sure if the woman had died from a drug overdose or was it foul play involved. So, obviously, they, they roped off the area and detectives were called. So as they continue to search the house, underneath all the trash and debris. Now, keep in mind, this is knee high. So they got to search and flip through all this trash. And as they're rubbishing through the trash. I would have been gagging and puking. I don't think I would have done that. Oh, I would have been throwing up because you're dealing this smell as well. This is like hoarders on steroids. Dude, right? So as they're rubbishing through the trash and debris, they flip over some trash, and there they saw a third body. Oh. However, this body was so badly de- decomposed, it was already skeletal. Whoa. Oh, yeah. So this has been going on 
Ugh, for quite chills. some time. They already knew, okay, there's definitely more bodies in here, and we don't know how long this man has been sleeping with dead bodies. He was just living there with all of them dead women? Skeletal. They couldn't even tell who it was. You know, and here's the thing about decomposition, uh, if I could add this to it. Go like, ahead. When, when the skin, like if it's on carpet, it'll, the, the skin, the blood, the tissue, all that stuff, the bodily fluids will seep into the carpet, mold, mm-hmm. get even worse of a smell. You develop maggots, obviously, with a mm-hmm. food there. All kinds of just disgusting filth and bugs. It's like, oh, dude, that's turning my stomach as I'm trying oh, to explain and, it. And not to, to add on to your comment, Todd, there was definitely animals, uh, rats, maggots, flies, oh. all around as well. So mm-hmm. to add to your comment, you were definitely right. They, they were definitely present at the time. Well, along with the trash and debris, yeah, I have no idea, none whatsoever. But he lived there for several years. Ew. Yeah. So. I have nothing else but ill to. (laughs) Are you getting uh, chills? Yes. All right. So the search continues, and they're ravaging through trash again, kicking up debris and dirt and all kind of filth. And they hit a jackpot again. They found a fourth body. Oh, my God. And this one, too, was so decomposed, it was mummified, covered in sheets. So they already knew, like, man, who knows how many bodies we're going to find. And how is it this man was not violent toward people? (laughs) Well... To the neighbors, he appeared very friendly. But what went behind closed doors, we, he was a whole different person. So the search continues. They're not done. This search continues all the way up to the evening. Now, remember, this was in the morning uh, when he got wow. into it with the nephew and the cops were called. So we're in the evening. And this is August, so summertime. You can imagine hot, Ooh, muggy. It's even worse. Yeah. So we're up to four bodies. The search continues uh, and they go through more piles of trash, filth, and they discovered a fifth victim hidden between two mattresses left to decompose. So he stuffed this one in between two mattresses. They had to lift up the mattresses to find this. And it was probably stuck to the body too. And more likely... Don't doubt it with that weather and that month. And more likely, it was the same mattress he was sleeping in. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. That is disgusting. That's disgusting. So you're not only on top of that, there was a dead body on top of the mattress, but in between the mattresses, there's a fifth body. So he's sleeping on that bed with the dead bodies and another one under it. Yeah. So the search... Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, continue. The search continues. And as they go through a closet in his room, one of the officers discovered a sixth victim covered with garbage, old soiled clothing, and debris. So she was just thrown in there, covered up like just trash. I cannot imagine the smell these people oh, are going through. And, and that's why the neighbors complain, like, yo, man, I don't know what you got in that house, but it's stank, and you got to get take care of it. But he didn't. It was going on for months, possibly years, because the body was skeletal. So just imagine. I, I'm only picturing this from when I, I read a book about a detective that he said it haunted him. He And when you mentioned the closet... This detective opened the door on a woman they were looking for, and they finally found her, and she was, like, in this abandoned house. But, like, she was strangled, and but sitting up in a closet, and he could see her face. And, like, her body was decomposing, but, like, her face of her last facial expressions of breathing, and he said that haunted him forever. So not only this the stage of this house, but... The bo- how they're finding these bodies I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine these people were the same after this oh no absolutely way. absolutely because you're, you're you're just walking through 
a, a cemetery, so to speak. You're just finding dead bodies left and right. You 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 don't even know where to walk. Wow. Yeah. So due to inclement weather and it being dark, the search had to stop because it started to rain. So they had to come back the next morning to continue because they weren't done yet. They didn't even search the whole house. <laughs> so the next morning, they continued to search and they're dig- uh, they're searching, digging through debris and inside they start digging through, um, they start digging outside of his apartment, like on top of, you know how they have the little patios? Uh-huh. It was trash up there too. And uh... up there, they found and discovered dismembered body parts of a seventh and final victim. Damn. So this guy was, yeah, he was on one. Yeah. Yeah. So when it was all said and done, out of the seven bodies, only two bodies that they found which was on the mattress and the one next to it, dead on the mattress, could be uh, identified. Could be uh, determined. What was determined of the cause of death, and, and also uh, could be identified. And then the cause of death for those two were strangulations. Mm. And they were freshly um, uh, dead or murdered. The other five bodies, they were so badly decomposed, they they had to do forensics, all kind of technology to find out even the identity. Yeah. Yeah. They That's, didn't find no IDs lying around, nothing? Nothing. Yeah, um, who, who were these women? Well, they didn't know they were women yet. Well, two of them, they knew they were women. The other five, they, they didn't even know what it was. They, they were so badly decomposed. They they had to take it to... So the uh, other bodies were uh, badly decomposed that it took medical examination just to determine the gender. Whoa. But when they did they found out that those five were indeed women. And they were identified as a 27-year-old Cynthia Brooks, 25-year-old Valerie Jameson, 36-year-old Marty Jeter Mathis, 22-year-old Barbara Mahoney, 29-year-old Robin DeShazer, 33-year-old Sandra Garvin, and 24-year-old Patricia Franklin. And it was also determined that Robin DeShazer, the 33-year-old, was his girlfriend. And they were in a long relationship. And according to his mother's testimony, she was confirmed that uh, Harrison would physically beat her and abuse her. And that it turned out that she was the uh, first victim that they uh, found. So the one that was possibly uh, um, skeletal was more likely her. Jeez. So the other two women that were on the bed, they he was they, he recently killed them. If this guy's huge and he was beating on her, I don't understand why people don't leave. I mean, in that situation, you're dealing with drug users and alcoholics or whatever they were doing. So I don't think they had the right mindset in regardless. So even if they wanted to leave, he was supplying them drugs. That was the spot. You know, that's that's all they knew, probably. Oh, God. Wow. You know, so he ended up, it turned out he was, uh, he murdered seven young women. So knowing who they were already looking for, because there's no question who it was, they put a bolo out, um, be on the lookout, and they already had pictures of him. And um, it was already hitting the press. Hey, we're looking for this guy, Harrison Graham. You know, be on the lookout. If you've seen him, let us know. Days had went by. And though some of the local transients and drug users, because, you know, everybody, if you're a transient or drug user, you, you know who's who. You know, oh, yeah, I've seen him over there. But even though that he was spotted, they could not catch him. Uh, some saw him. They said that he was a... Uh, drifting around local areas. Um, so he was mentally unstable, but uh-huh. clearly not that mentally unstable to know that he did wrong and he was running away. Yes. He knew better. He knew better. He knew better. 
Damn. So it wasn't until August 17th, just about a little after a week later, when uh, they found out about Harrison, he decided to uh, call his mother for support because whatever food and whatever he had in his backpack, he must have ran out. So he didn't have anything. He didn't have nowhere to go. So he called his mom for support. Hey, mom, you know, I need help. I know they're looking for me. You know, where can I go? Can I come home? Um, instead of the mom protecting his her son and saying, hey, stay with me, she did the right thing. And what do you think she did? She told him to come home and then let the cops know he was on his way there. Okay, talk. Try to turn him in. Because I'm going to go mm-hmm. in too. Because, I mean, either that or she took her cookies away and. He's all cookie, cookie. Cookie, cookie, cookie. She gave him some Ritalin and he was all. Mother oh man. my God. <laughs> She sprinkled some crack on him and said, let's go. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, but um, she uh, she talked to him. She talked to him, calmed him down, and reassured him that everything will be okay. But you just got to turn yourself in. Because he was, you know, he, he, wasn't, he didn't know what to do, in a sense. So she called the cops and told the cops, Hey, my son is going to be over here at this corner on, you know, 157th Street. So, uh, what he did was, after he was on the phone with the uh, his mom, he did just so. Uh, he was waiting at a corner just 10 blocks away from where the um, his apartment. And he was waiting there at a street corner. Cops arrived, they saw him, and arrested him. No fight, no uh, no altercation, no nothing. So he listened. Yeah, so he listened to his mom. Mom talked some sense to him, and he listened. Now, during the interrogation, Harrison was trying for hours to convince the officers that the bodies were already there. Uh, they were there when I moved in. What are you talking about? I, I, I just slept on them. Huh. But he was, he was like, God. listen, listen, I took dumps <laughs> on the floor to mask the smell of the dead bodies. I don't know how they got there. Hey, hey, hey. When I paid for the apartment, they were already there. I just made myself comfortable. Hey, did That's he, what oh, his, God. That was his uh, argument in the interrogation. Obviously, it might have been because of, I don't know, if his mental illness. But, no, 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 no. Hey, I'm just no. saying. I'm just saying. If somebody's trying to say the bodies were there when I moved in, I don't know what happened, but they were there. Not because of mental illness? He ain't that mental. <laughs> you agree, Todd? Oh, I, I think he's very mental, but he does have he does know what he's doing though at the same time. So I think it's a, like 50-50, you know. Yeah. I, I agree. I think he knows what he's doing. But you know, he was trying to wiggle his way out of guilt. <laughs> but of course, these seasoned officers was like, Yeah, buddy. Nice try. Ain't buying it. So um Eventually, I'm glad they weren't Johnson. They they were definitely not Johnsons. They were definitely no Johnsons. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, buddy, or how you doing, Todd?" All right. <laughs> they were gonna see. They were gonna be like, "Yep, we're gonna sue the landlord. You gotta get your money back oh, yeah. for living in those conditions." <laughs> hey, you can't rent a house out to a fine young gentleman like this with dead bodies already. <laughs> it's unconstitutional. <laughs> But if, you know, like I said, they weren't buying it. So eventually, after several tries and after several hours of trying to convince them that they were already there, he finally confessed to um, his acts. So, excuse me. Um, with a slight twist, though, he did confess with a slight twist. He said that this is his quote. That. It may have been my hands that did it, but it wasn't my mind that was committing the act. It was Marty. Who the heck is Marty? Marty was his uh, AKA name. Remember, it was Harrison, Marty, Graham, AKA the Cookie Monster, AKA Marty. So he was saying basically his alter ego was the one who killed the people, not Harrison. Harrison wouldn't do that, but Marty would. 
That was his, his argument. So what, he was schizophrenic? Was that his second personality? That was probably his mental illness talking. You know, the Johnsons would have been like, hey, how do you get Marty out of this big guy? <laughs> hey, Marty, you get out of here right now. You're going to put you in cuffs right now. Don't make me crazy. <laughs> well, he was a big guy. Uh, he was a big dude. So that would have been a struggle. Excuse me, Cookie Monster. Can you step aside? I got to get Marty. Cookie, Cookie said no. <laughs> so um, back to the story. He explained <laughs> that he did strangle all seven women. So he finally confessed that uh, all seven women were murdered due to strangulation. Okay. He strangled them after sharing drugs with them and after having sex with them. And according to his testimony, he committed the first murder at the end of August. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, at the end of 1986. So when was that? Uh, so that was a year before. before? Yeah, that was his first murder. Ew, the body was there for a year? That was the skeletal one. That was sitting there for over a year, for about a year. Wow. Now, this is what tripped me out. Now, I know you're on drugs. I know when you do drugs, you're not in the right state of mind. You're probably high or in a psychedelic field, depending on what they're doing. I'm sure you can smell a dead body because the other six uh, women that were there, I'm sure they smelt that first victim. Right? Or did they just think... Well, like you said, they were there for drugs, so they probably didn't care. Probably. They were like, probably. well, it smells bad, but I'm going to get high. <laughs> and not only that, I'm going to take my pants off and have a little sex. Oh. Disgusting. The fact that they're all crapping in the same place, leaping there and everything, and having sex, God! <laughs> yep. He's like, the girl goes, hey, can I use your restroom? Yeah. Where is it? You're standing in it. Yep. <laughs> now just keep go. it going. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, and like he's like, just go. Let it flow. <laughs> with, with the body sitting there. Oh. Now, keep this in mind. Now, that was the first victim he killed. Sometime later, I didn't say how many uh, months or days or weeks later, but soon after, he killed the second victim solely because she discovered the first victim. Oh. Yeah. So she probably like went over, did some drugs, had sex, and saw the body. Like, oh my God, there's a dead body. After that, he strangled her. And that was the second victim. So is that what kept happening with the next one and the next one and the next one? Doesn't say, but he did uh, testify to that. I only I killed the second victim. Simple fact that, you know, she saw the first victim. He did testify to that. Okay, I would guess the rest happened the same way. Because how are you going to go in there and do all that and not see the rest of the bodies? Well, the last two, I believe, was the same way as well. But the other ones in between, they were already covered in debris. So I don't know if that was the case. He probably just lost it and just decided to strangle them. But the first two and the last two uh, was definitely because of one saw the other. Because I do, I did read that the uh, last two, the one on the bed and the one that was on the floor next to him were just days apart. Wow. Yeah. As in he killed them days apart. As in he killed them days apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when the forensic examiners confirmed his testimony, they determined that the two bodies were found, uh, that were found first were strangled just yeah, just 10 days prior to the discovery. And the other five victims were deceased for at least six months to a year. Mm. So, um, his uh, after all that said, said and done, his trial began on March 7, 1988. And during his pre uh, preliminary hearing, he pled guilty and to refused to have a jury trial because of him admitting guilt. So the prosecutor was trying to throw the book at him. It was like, hey man, this man's guilty. Sentence him to death. <laughs> he, he admitted it. What, what are we waiting on? Right? Mm -hmm. So they wanted him dead. They was trying to tell the judge, hey, death penalty. However, 
Harrison's lawyers was demanding leniency for a sentence stating that he was too intellectually disabled and uh, psychophysical uh, development. He was incapable of distinguishing right and wrong. And this coupled with heavy drug abuse made him act on impulse without any self-control. You already know I got a problem with that. <laughs> Well, they're trying to find some leniency. Hey, look, we know he did it, but I don't think my client was in the right state of mind, Judge. Can you give him a break? No, I'm with, I'm with I'm with Gabby on this one. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Look, drugs, whenever people, okay, mentally unstable, he has issues. Number one, he should have never been released if it's that bad. Mm -hmm. That's no excuse. Blame whoever let him out. Number two, where the hell was his mom? Why wasn't she getting him the right help? Nobody was like on top of checking on this guy knowing he was not okay. Three, you can't blame the drugs. The drugs are your choice. Nobody forces you to take the drugs. That's true. Just because you ran into it and you felt loved by this pimp doesn't mean you got to go on like that for the rest of your life and then go and kill people and live in such a disgusting state. He cannot be that mentally challenged and he does know right from wrong because if he didn't, he would have never boarded up the apartment to not let anybody there. He would have never ran off trying to escape law. So he knows well enough that what he did was wrong. And lawyer Gabby has spoken. No excuse. <laughs> You concur? I concur. Well, we're going to find out what happened. So, after his lawyers, Harrison's lawyers, stated their defense, um, that everything was said. So, um, this trial uh, uh, had finally reached a verdict. So a month later, after uh, the trial began, uh, starting in March, a month later, on April 28th, 1988, what do you think the judge said to Harrison? Guilty, guilty, guilty. I hereby sentence you to death. I'm sure that's what you guys wished, and I'm sure that's what the audience has wished. No, no. I'm pretty sure he sent him to a freaking mental hospital. You think so? You think so, Sutan? Yeah, sounds like it, because they're looking to get this guy off, it seems like. Well, let's see. So after everything was said and done, the judge hit his gavel and said, I hereby declare Harrison uh, Graham, a.k.a. the Cookie Monster Killer, guilty of all charges, and he is sentenced to six death penalties, Ooh. but one life penalty mm. for the seven murders. Good. Yes, you would think so. But what? because he had one life sentence in his uh, verdict, it thwart his death penalties. So that makes zero sense. Let me explain. The judge decided to grant the leniency that the defense said towards Harrison because they, he found that he he was mentally intellectual and he probably did not determine his right and wrong. So he did grant him the leniency. So the judge said he must serve his life sentence first and then he can serve his six death penalties. What? <laughs> Are you sure this judge wasn't mental himself? That was his verdict so therefore he let will him never... serve his life sentence when his life sentence is over meaning the day he dies bring him in and we'll kill him six more times <laughs> how stupid is that that was his verdict does this judge crap in his house <laughs> as well what you say, Todd? Does, does this guy, does a judge crap knee high in his house as well? Hey, man. 
I've never heard of anything like that. The judge probably likes cookies. I, he, yeah. he probably was fascinated. I never heard anything like that. So in turn. That is the stupidest thing ever. If he's going to serve life, just <laughs> give him the death already. Yep. Yep. Because of that one that life so sentence. Yeah, but that's stupid. If anything, the death penalty completely kills the life sentence. Nope, not they according. They gotta kill you first. Not according to this law, so it thwarts the, the six death sentences. So, in turn, Harrison Graham will never be executed because he has to finish out his life sentence. Duh. Obviously. As long as he's still alive, he's still in prison. Yep. That is so stupid. So yeah. he is still alive till this day. I don't serving. think we've heard an, a, a, a verdict this stupid ever. Well, he granted him leniency, so it, it was a it was, it was fully guilty on all counts. It was okay. Guilty. Granting him leniency, it said we're gonna just forget about the death penalty. He will serve life, okay? Yeah, and give some justice. His stupid comment of we're gonna let him serve life first, and then he can serve the sixth. So, in the resurrection, I guess when he dies and he's resurrected, <laughs> then they can send him in death penalty six times. They got they're gonna resurrect him again, the other five times, and then that final six. It's like okay, we didn't kill you six times already. This is it. <laughs> wow. So, he, so he is still to this day alive, serving his life sentence until he's to be executed after his life sentence when he dies during his life sentence. <laughs> Now, when the trial was all over, what do you think Harrison said after everything was said and done? What do you think he said? Um, he probably got on his knees and looked up to the heavens, <laughs> shook his <laughs> fist as his elbows pulsated with his veins, and he was like, Cookie! <laughs> I hate to laugh, but that's funny. <laughs> I... I, I Todd, you're very disrespectful because you know this man's intellectually slow, but you're very disrespectful. As he said it, I could picture it. <laughs> what do you think he said? <laughs> you got, you're so disrespectful. <laughs> what do you think he said? As he can have his cookie monster with him. Wow, she nailed it. <laughs> what? She, she nailed it. After everything was said and he was all said and done, the judge said, okay, Harrison. Is there anything else you got to say? He simply said, Can I have my cookie monster back, please? Wow. And he was sent off to jail for the rest of his life. Did they give him the cookie monster? Uh, I didn't say, but I don't think they did. Does he get milk and cookies every night? Yeah, he probably do get some milk and cookies. Like Bernie Mac said, I want some milk and cookies. <laughs> but they didn't. I don't think they gave him uh, his cookie uh, monster. But does that, does that mean the same thing in prison, though? You know what? <laughs> hey, just, I just, mean, yeah, you, they have you went there, didn't you? He you went there, didn't you? He was probably the cookie. He probably was. <laughs> and no, we're not making fun of the victims or anything like that. So before anyone say... He oh. ain't no victim. Yeah, he's not a victim. You know what? You're so disappointed. He's not. Okay, we're not making fun of people. Okay, we're not making fun of rape. How's that disrespectful? He ain't no victim. Victims no, are the ones well, he killed. Know, you know, we get comments from people saying, you guys are making fun of them. People in prison getting raped and stuff like we don't do that. We didn't say he was getting raped. Well, I mean, I mean, well, I mean well, he, he, could, he could be <laughs> he could be volunteering. Careful, Todd. Or he could, or he could uh, be insinuating. Who knows? We're just, we're just saying. We're just saying. Yeah. But Look, the point is, he is a killer. Oh yeah, definitely. He, he was disgusting, and he did know right from wrong. You're going to stick with that, huh? Yep, absolutely. Your behavior proves you to know right from wrong. How the hell is that dumb judge going to say, oh, well, let's give him the leniency because he did not know right from wrong. Okay, that's why this mofo was running away, calling his mommy. He didn't know what to do because he knew he was in trouble. Come on. That judge might have been related to Johnny Cochran somehow, and he was able to get him, get him out, you know. Yes, this guy should have been put to death because, I mean, I agree. I mean, he confessed to his mom. His mom's like, okay, police, 
He's going to be down on Sesame Street. Find him on the street corner down there. You can pick Stop him. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. And then on his way there to Sesame Street, he, he stopped by a cabbie. He's like, hey, mister, how do you get to Sesame Street? Stop it. Stop it, man. <laughs> he said with cookies. You know, you know what? Y'all, that's the end of Harrison uh, Marty Graham. <laughs> and that's the story of Harrison. You got you two. Look. I felt bad for the guy to know that he had mental issues and, and what he as a child he was already committed but I'm pissed that they let him go if things were that bad then it gets me thinking if they let him go then it wasn't that bad yeah. he was just too much in the damn drugs that he got those probably spurts of rage and killed these women and that's not fair no it's not so at the end of the day he's a horrible terrible person he deserves to die why even heat up and warm up a seat in the prison? Another plate of meals. For what? This person who doesn't care about killing people should not be a part of anything. They gotta go. I, you haven't said off with his wing in a while. Well, this one didn't rape them as far as I'm concerned. They well, he had did, sex he, well, he did have sex with them. Who knows? He probably did some things. We don't know, but yeah. Well, we don't know if he raped them because we don't know the damn story. Nobody knows. All I know is this, is that she's right in the way that, you know, when when you're telling the story and telling his you know, upbringing, we're questioning whether he was molested, taken advantage of, uh, beaten. We don't know all that stuff. That's like, you know, stuff that he didn't divulge, but there's got to be something there. And then he's like abused as a kid because however you want to look at it, whether it was with a man or with a woman, whether it was consensual or not, he was way underage. He shouldn't have been, oh, a, yeah. you know, introduced to that at such a young age and then living on the streets. So again, he had me and Gabby's sympathy up until that point of murder. And like she said, drugs, you know, maybe made his mental condition worse. And the, and the system failed him because absolutely there, it's like, you know, this guy should be a danger. You should keep him institutionalized, but no, absolutely. Seven women pay the price. I agree with you. I think the system did fail him because he was already uh, instituted in a mental house at a young age. And for them to release him under what condition and what terms, who knows? But he shouldn't have been released because if he was not, who knows? Maybe those seven women would have survived. One of them was his long-term girlfriend in which he was abusing her. So, you know, she, you know, she might have been still alive. Who knows? But yeah, I totally agree. Um, I wouldn't even not even the system, but maybe his family. Uh, um, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking. He ran off. He went with that pimp. Where was the family? Why yeah. was nobody looking for him? Trying to rescue back their their child. And like I said, this was in the seventies, so drugs was heavy. You know, crack cocaine barely hit the scene. You know what I'm saying? So they may have been in drugs too. They probably neglected him. He was the oldest of five. They were probably see, but this is why I say he knew what he was doing, also because he had a different face and personality in front of his neighbors. But he knew what he was hiding behind closed doors. He was somebody else. Yep, he knew who he was. Yep. So this guy cannot be that mental. Well, this guy avoided six death penalties because he got a service life sentence. So that is the story of Harrison Graham, aka Marty, aka the Cookie Monster Killer. I don't even know why he's called him Cookie Monster Killer. He didn't kill anybody with his Cookie Monster. He said the cookie monster was the other personality, right? Well, Marty, which was probably Marty was probably the one that entertained. Harrison was probably the one that did drugs. Who knows? I don't know this guy. He's a nutcase. But I mean, look, I'm I'm offended that he gets six death sentences and gets to serve out a life sentence. But I'm more offended that Marty got away with murder because you know what, man? Nobody could, he's not behind prison. Well, you know what? <laughs> No, I swear, dude. <laughs> well, maybe Marty is the one serving, and Harrison somewhere in you know in space. Yeah. So that is the story, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We are finally back. We should be back running regularly, like Todd mentioned earlier. We got our soundboard back thanks to a donation to one of our listeners. Thank we appreciate you, you, you so much, and that's what the donation really does for us, guys. It's not going to our personal pockets. It's just helps broaden out 
our quality of work so that we can produce more uh, quality stories. And as well, I wanted to mention, continue to give us suggestions because we we have so many stories in mind and we appreciate your suggestions because it might be like, yo, that's a good story. I want to read that one. So continue to give us suggestions. I forgot to mention that earlier. So we appreciate all you guys do. We thank you guys so much. Yes, sir. So find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Type in Grinding to Crime. Listen to us on your podcast stream. Just go to Pat, Pat, Podbean. <laughs> the Podbean. Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podline, and Zencaster. And for those outside of the lovely U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Raker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. So with all that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Granny True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. No, that's mine. Oh, peace. <laughs> Todd. Marty, Marty, get the DeLorean <laughs> ready. We're going back to, to the future. I swear to God. <laughs>